Hey folks, it's Dr. Sam Byrne, and I'd like to welcome you to another edition of iClarity. This is a podcast that offers cutting-edge information on holistic eye care, health, and wellness. So welcome to the show. Uh, This is a, a show today that I'm going to be dedicating to children's vision. I'm going to take a few questions that parents have written in. Uh, The first question uh, comes from a podcast that I did recently on Wellness Mama. Uh, Katie interviewed me, and we had a a really fun time together. And there was a mom on there who asked me a question about her four-year-old daughter who's been in glasses since age two. And the doctor diagnosed her with farsightedness and a condition called accommodative esotropia. That means that uh, there's a crossed eye and that um, the doctor started to patch her strong eye, her left eye, to try and strengthen her weaker eye, the right eye. So she was asking if there were any holistic eye doctors in Alabama where she lives, and she also wanted some recommendations Uh, to try to strengthen her eyes and get rid of the glasses. So this is a great question, and a lot of kids are suffering this. So uh, let me break it down for you. Um, So when we have uh, one eye that's crossed, um, basically an accommodative esotropia means that in order to uh, focus up close, a person has to muscle their eyes, their eye muscles tighten up, And in in order for them to focus, they cross one or both of their eyes. And so in this particular situation, um, this child um, really is not using both eyes together. And it sounds like that the right eye is crossing, so it's turning away from the visual target that it's supposed to be looking at. So this creates either a double vision scenario or the brain actually suppresses or shuts down the right eye to avoid double vision. And the allopathic strategy is that uh, we dilate the the eyes, so we put eye drops in the eyes to paralyze the focusing muscles, and then we want to prescribe the maximum magnification based on that dilation as a way to force the eyes to be straight. And... uh, So there's a couple things here that I strongly disagree with that just don't work. The first is wearing strong glasses. As a a child, um, putting strong glasses on any child is um, interferes with the visual development, uh, the visual skills of the visual tracking, visual focusing, visual coordination. And whenever you wear a strong magnification lens, what it does is it actually creates a a uh, hypo-functioning responsiveness in the eye muscles. So the eye muscles become um, flaccid, and um, it also creates a major distortion in the visual acuity. And um, it's done in the spirit of trying to force the eyes to become straight. Uh, It doesn't work. Um, the second piece of this is that whenever you start patching an eye for long periods of time, what you're really doing is creating a confusion in the child because now they, uh, 
They don't understand the middle of their body. And um, the whole idea of strabismus is that there's a confusion in bringing both eyes to the midline, to the middle. And so long-term patching actually creates more trauma and stress, and it doesn't work. So both of those uh, strategies are just, um, they're just dead wrong. Um, basically, the way you work with this condition is as follows. It's a good idea to take a look at, <clears throat> on a developmental level, what was going on in the gestation period. You know, was mom, and you know, was their bed rest uh, ordered because of, you know, the possibility of a fear of miscarriages? Was there stress, trauma, toxicity? So we look at gestation as one of the first uh, milestones. Second thing we look at is the birth process. And if there was any interference, anything from a C-section to forceps delivery to, um, um, you know, breech birth, uh, even, even using uh, Pitocin as a drug, um, inducing the birth, this actually begins to affect the sensory motor development, especially the visual system. So I don't know in this case if there was any stress, trauma, or toxicity in the gestation, in the birth, or in the bonding period. Uh, most likely there was something going on that created this um, inability for the two eyes to work together. And when I see the two eyes not working together, especially as a young child, what it's a signal of is that there's an integration problem with the brain, the hemispheres of the brain, and the body. There's also a um, something called the primitive survival reflexes. And I've talked about these before. These are very early motor patterns that occur in utero. And one of the purposes of the primitive reflexes is to help the newborn adjust to being out of the womb. And there are several primitive reflexes, which are foundational motor patterns that should get extinguished at about age one. So they're foundational. They're controlled by the brain stem, which is the reptilian brain, uh, but they should become integrated in a, a young child's uh, visual motor development. Now, if they don't get integrated, they begin to interfere with visual development and this can lead to conditions like strabismus, amblyopia, myopia, hyperopia, stigmatism. Uh, so in terms of um, helping this family, what I find works really well is taking a whole body developmental approach where you get tested for the primitive reflexes, you start working with the reflex integration program, which are different movement patterns that help integrate those reflexes. You work with balance and orientation and the vestibular connection to the eyes. The vestibular system is the inner ear. And if there's a strabismus, usually <clears throat> there's an underacting vestibular system. So you need to start engaging the vestibular system by doing spinning and rotation things and movement stuff like that. And then uh, to encourage bilateral movement, right, left, uh, upper body, lower body, front of the body, back of the body, uh, kinds of reciprocal interweaving, which signals the brain to be more integrated, which then signals the eyes to be more integrated. And any movements that you make um, 
and I'm talking about you know locomotion where you're going from point A to point B, is done using an obstacle course. So you begin to bring the visual system into the movement. So in this case, if the right eye is turned in, what we want to stimulate is the peripheral vision on the right side. So we want to stimulate turning to the right and making you know different turns in our creeping, our crawling, our bear walk, our hopping, our skipping, jump rope. You know, these are foundational, fundamental motor patterns that are missing today in a lot of kids. I know when I was growing up, um, I did all those things and it really helped integrate my system. Today we put kids in, a, in front of the, you know, the iPad at such an early age and I disagree with that. I think it creates visual confinement and it uh, stifles visual development. Uh, another uh, modality I would use is craniosacral therapy. And I have found that craniosacral therapy works really well with strabismus, uh, and especially in children. So you could go to an osteopath who does craniosacral therapy, or you could go to um, just a physical therapist who does craniosacral therapy. And sometimes uh, doing cranial work actually can create more spaciousness and um, movement in the bones of the head and the orbit around the eye, which actually changes how the eyes are positioning. Um, I would also uh, take a look at the biochemistry of this child, you know, what the microbiome is, what, what's going on in terms of um, the intestinal absorption. Were antibiotics given? Uh, you know, uh, what is going on in terms of trace minerals? You know, one of the main trace minerals when you have an eye muscle problem is magnesium. Uh, and of course, using lots of antioxidants and B vitamins and uh, glutathione and um, omega-3 fish oil, you know, all of those really wonderful antioxidants that are important for the eyes and the brain. Bottom line is that a physical therapy for the eyes for this particular situation is the answer. It's the way to go. It's the organic way to encourage a child to start to learn how to use their two eyes together as it relates to their body. Uh, there was a book that was written a few years ago called Fixing My Gaze. And Sue Berry uh, was a neurobiologist. She's actually one of her nicknames is called Stereo Sue. She had actually eye muscle surgery uh, as a child, and in her 50s, she discovered this physical therapy for her eyes, went through vision therapy, and was able to get uh, stereoscopic vision after vision therapy. She also had the good fortune uh, that she had a friend who was a neurologist, famous, uh, who you all know, Oliver Sacks. And so even though ophthalmologists and neurologists uh, really uh, are negative about vision therapy. Uh, having Oliver Sacks' uh, stamp of approval uh, really helped in terms of, um, you know, promoting Sue Berry's story. And it's an inspiring book. I recommend it for this mom. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's really uh, a good one in terms of getting some other information. So... You know, in terms of the prescription, uh, first of all, I would stop the eye patching. I don't think that's going to do anything. I would um, get a second opinion in terms of the prescription, maybe get 10% or 20% of the prescription that, um, that was prescribed. Uh, and I would start doing a lot of bilateral movement exercises and primitive reflex 
therapy. One of the ones that I have on my website is called the Moro Reflex. So she might consider doing that. You know, it's hard for me to recommend uh, eye doctors uh, these days because um, uh, there's such a different uh, level of care. And most of the eye care out there is very medically oriented. It's very structural based where they're just using the eye chart to measure. Uh, So I don't really have a recommendation right now uh, for a holistic eye doctor. Uh, Certainly this mom could contact me and we could we could do more consulting, but um, there's so many great things that you could do uh, much better than what you're, you know, what you're getting right now. So I hope that I hope that that's helpful to you. Okay, the second question is from a lady named Alinda, and she says, "Do you have any help or information for strabismus?" I'm at eight degrees again so that they're saying it's time for surgery. And she also says she has a central vestuopathy. And um, what can she do for it? Okay. (laughs) So here we, on one end of the spectrum, we have um, the strabismus and the children's vision. And even though this show is really about children, the conversation on strabismus can, can be for adults as well. And when you do surgery on the eye muscle, you're not telling the brain what you're doing. And this sets up a confusion between the brain and the eyes. And what ends up happening most of the time is that when the eye muscle surgery is done, and this lady is referring to the eight degrees, so the eye is turned eight degrees away from neutral or the central part. So instead of being straight, it's eight degrees, sounds like it's in, uh, but she didn't really say either way, that uh, when the surgeon cuts the muscle, the brain says, hey, wow, something happened here to the muscle. I don't know how to, I don't know how to deal with that. And so usually the eye then is going to revert back to where the, the eye um, positioned before the surgery, which is why many times when eye muscle surgery is done, uh, it's done multiple times. And in my experience, I have found that when a person goes through strabismus surgery, it sets up a real confusion in their brain that's very difficult for them to overcome. It's an overlay that actually uh, puts the person at a disadvantage because functionally they now have a different uh, set of rules that they're working under because the eye muscle is no longer, you know, normal. So I don't recommend strabismus surgery. And this, this notion that you have to get strabismus surgery at a certain age or you're going to go blind or it doesn't get better is completely false. Uh, Again, the eyes originate from brain tissue. They have the capability of regenerating Uh, At any age, neuroplasticity, neurogenesis uh, thrive uh, in terms of vision therapy when you offer uh, physical therapy for the eyes. So in this case, I would say to Linda, don't do the surgery. Um, I would start in maybe doing some of the um, simple eye relaxation exercises like palming, the palming humming, uh, the eye scan, 
the eye stretch, uh, long swings. And, uh, you know, in terms of some of the uh, two-eyed or binocular exercises, I might consider something like the Brock String or the Yin-Yang chart. These are on my, web, these are on my website um, in terms of the eye exercises. And I think that um, um, not doing the surgery is a much better way to go. Uh, you know, one of the techniques that I use is something called therapeutic yoked prisms. And these are prisms that are very different than a regular eye doctor prescribes, which is forcing the eye to stay in a certain position. But in these particular therapeutic yoke prisms, what they do is they offer a person a wider, a wider spatial relationship in their perception, and it begins to help engage their peripheral vision. And one of the ways to reduce strabismus is to open up the peripheral vision so there's more of a chance for the two eyes to overlap, for more of the brain and the eyes to come together in a more integrated way. I think craniosacral therapy would work really well. Um, and I also think that in terms of this vestibular uh, overlay, so again, the inner ear is really an important component in our balance and orientation. Where am I in space? Where have I been? Where am I now? And where am I going? So doing some things with movement, I call it angles to gravity, doing different um, movements um, where you're spinning or rocking or moving. And this is done slowly, so it isn't done quickly. It's done very slowly. You begin to access and activate um, a healthier vestibular system and in doing that, it connects the eyes and the brain so that you develop better orientation and knowing where you are in space. So I would include any kind of vestibular therapy uh, in this process as, as well. So physical therapy for the eyes for strabismus is a much more effective and long-lasting functional cure than strabismus surgery. So that's all the time I have uh, uh, for, for today, but um, I want to thank you for tuning in again and um, keep your questions coming. I really appreciate it. I'll do my best to answer them. And until next time, take good care. You're listening to a podcast with Dr. Sam Byrne. To learn more about his seminars and workshops, visit his website, www.drsamburn.com. The Burn Method is a trademarked signature of Dr. Sam Burn for his workshops, seminars, books, and DVDs. The information presented in this podcast is in no way intended as a substitute for receiving professional medical care. The design and purpose for this podcast is to provide information for educational purposes only. Dr. Byrne and his guests have no liability or responsibility to any person or entity for loss, damage, injury caused, or allegedly caused through the information, exercises, suggestions, explorations, or written responses presented in this podcast. Dr. Byrne is not a medical authority and his guests are not qualified to diagnose or treat any disease or health problem. This podcast is not a substitute for medical care. Dr. Byrne's information is only his personal opinion. If you have any health problem, please seek medical care for whatever condition you may have.